All right, while I go up here to, to preach, there are these white pieces of paper in your bulletins. I, I, would you pull that out? Make sure you have one. Uh, and it says, one thing uh, God changed, saved, or redeemed in my life. One thing God changed, saved, or redeemed in my life. If you don't have one, can you raise your hand? And Andy will give you one of those pieces of paper. And would you just write one thing? Would you write one thing, don't write a, an essay or a book, just one thing. Uh, it can be a brief sentence or a single one. I think we need one up here. I'm going to do it too. And then once you've finished that, you can raise it and Andy and Alan will come collect them for us. So I have mine. So I'm doing the, the scripture reading tonight. We're actually doing it a little differently, a little bit together. So you do need your Bible. Uh, and we have these blue Bibles back on this table that we love to give out. So if you don't have a Bible and you need one for this evening so you can follow along, would you raise your hand again, maybe not with a piece of paper in it, just so that we can give you one. All right, well, it looks like we're, we're good. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one home uh, they're our gift to you. I believe the scripture passage, Psalm 136, is page 427, 427 uh, in the Blue Bible. Uh, so we're looking at Psalm 136. Now let me go ahead and, and pray for us and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you give us one thing that you have changed, saved, or redeemed about our life. I pray that you would walk us out of this room today encouraged, strengthened. And if there's any here that don't have anything that come to mind, would by the end of this message they have something that comes to mind? I ask your Holy Spirit to speak through me this evening, to speak through your word. I need you. I can't do this without you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're looking at Psalm 136, and I had you fill out these little cards, and we're going to come back to that at the end of the service. But what do we do? We often like praise God or thank God for the good things that he's done in our lives. And this psalm was written just like that. It was written to, to, to thank God for the good things God had done for the people of Israel, for the Israelite nation. Now, this is a, a psalm that would have been read responsively. So maybe some of you have done that in a church where like the worship team or the, the pastor reads one line and the congregation reads another line. And they kind of go back and forth, a call and response. Maybe you loved that. You're like, this is my jam. I just want to do this all the time. Maybe some of you thought it was a bit awkward. Well, uh, if you're in either of those camps, just rejoice because we're going to do it tonight. Uh, because this psalm, Psalm 136, was meant to be read as a call and response. See, the, the priests or the Levites, the kind of the leaders of the Israelite community, they would read the first line, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then this refrain, this line that keeps repeating over and over again would be uh, spoken back by the congregation. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. 
And the Israelite community would often recite these uh, around festivals and holidays. So they might, they might recite it together during Passover uh, as they're remembering uh, God pulling them out of captivity in Egypt. And they would have been reciting, as you're going to see, uh, some things about that, that, that God pulled them out of Egypt. They could have recited it at the, uh, the Feast of Pentecost or any of the other uh, religious holidays. And so tonight, we're going to read through this passage in the same way, because I didn't think it would be right to have someone come up and read it and do both parts by themselves, just not how it's meant to be read. So we're going we're gonna to take a, a practice run, all right? So we're going to do the first three verses. We're going to stop after the first three verses. But I'm going to say the first line, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. You're going to say the second line, his love endures forever. So would we just practice that line, his love endures forever? Ready? One, two, three. His love endures forever. That was great. You guys did a a wonderful job. All right, I think we're ready. So we're going to go through the first three verses. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. Amen. And you can just imagine a whole congregation, a whole community of people together reciting this. And it would just be this this wonderful moment of, of like unified corporate praise, praising God. This this psalm is known as the Great Hallel. The Great Hallel. Hallel, according to tradition. Now, there are these psalms that start with the word hallelujah or or a form of the word hallel, and hallel means to praise. So when you say hallelujah, you're saying praise Yahweh. Now, this this one, Psalm 136, actually doesn't have that word, but it's still in the vein of praising God, and it was called the great hallel. And that's why it was sung all the time. And it, and it teaches us about God's love enduring forever. This is something we all need to sing about. And we've already sung about it a little bit tonight. But that leads me to the first point, his love endures forever. Now, this is my big idea. Sometimes I have big ideas with messages. So you can kind of boil down the entire message to one line. And this is it. And this is just the Bible, His love endures forever. See, this line is repeated so many times, it's kind of easy to like glaze over it. It's 26 different verses, 26 different times. And I don't know about you, but when I when I start to do something like like repetitively, maybe once a day, you know, you you make your bed or you you drive to work, what what begins to happen? You begin to check out, right? And that's when you like getting car wrecks on the, on the way to work or like trip over the corner of your bed. Maybe some of you have had that happen. So we want to stop and we want to pay attention to what this means. His love endures forever. His love. This word love is a word that we've talked about like multiple times. Uh, I've talked about in in the service, it's the, it's the word chesed. Chesed, it has that nice guttural ch, chesed. Terry Isles would be so proud of me right now, but he is not here to admire my use of the Hebrew language. And it's this special love. It's this covenant love. 
It's a, it's a, it's a love made in promise. So there's, there's love that's made outside of promise, right? I like you, you like me, we like each other. We're going we're gonna to care for each other and it's going to be great, but the only thing you have is my word for it. You can just trust me, that's it. And then there's another type of love that says, I love you, I care for you, I'm going to be here for you, but I'm willing to make a binding promise. I'm willing to make a promise with legal ramifications. It's kind of like the difference between dating and marriage. I'm going to, I'm going to take a vow. I'm going to vow myself to you, and you're going to vow yourself to me. His love endures forever. This love is a promissory love. This is a, this is a, this is a love with, with teeth on it. It's a love that, that grips, that stays. It sounds pretty good, right? Like, I want that love. I want a, like an unconditional love that will always love me even when I don't deserve it. And this is the kind of love that our God offers, that the Lord, the God of the Scriptures, the God of the Bible, offers to you and to me a love with teeth, a love that lasts forever, for eternity. So there's nothing I have done or nothing I can do that if I am loved by God that's ever going to remove that love. That's incredibly encouraging. It's incredibly comforting. I can rest in that love. I can have peace because that love is not going to suddenly be removed from me. Now, I know this intellectually, but I don't always know it in my heart. And we all need to make that jump from the head to the heart. And I think this psalm is, is designed to help us do that. It's this, this, this poem. It's this prayer it's this corporate song that we can sing and recite together. Say, God, would this, would this sink just like, like a foot? <laughs> would it just sink from my head to my heart? And would it rest there that his love, that God's love for me, it endures forever? Man, if I really went through every day believing that, my life would look different than it does. His love endures forever now let's begin to, to look at that. This God who is good, verse 1, he's the God of gods, verse 2, that means there's no other gods. This is the one true God. And verse 3 says he's the Lord of lords. That means he's all-powerful, he's sovereign. You want this kind of love. You want a God who is good, who's all-powerful, and who is the only true God to love you. And his love is extended to these people who sang it. So many years ago, and we get to sing it tonight. His love endures forever. Now we're going to begin to, to work through these verses, and I, I want you to notice as we read through from verses 4 through 9, how his love has endured from our beginning. Now the Bible tells us that God has, has loved us from eternity past. That means much, much, like think of your beginning and then go back forever. And God has been loving us. But I want us to focus on kind of humanity's beginning because that's what the Israelites do. They, they're like, let's sing about God's love. Let's start in our beginning. 
Now, Genesis literally means beginnings. And so they go back to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read that together in verses 4 through 9. So once again, here we go. To him who alone does great wonders. Oh, that was not convincing. So we're going we're gonna to say that again. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. Amen. So do you see how the Israelites, they're recounting their beginning. They're recounting Genesis chapter 1 and those days of creation that God, God is putting the, the heavens together and the, and the stars. And, and even in that moment, before they were there, God loved them. God loved them as a people. God loved us as people today. It's wonderful to imagine, to stop and think about how God must have done that, and, and that even then he wasn't just doing it to create a, a beautiful picture, which he did, the whole universe, the galaxies, but he's, he was doing it as an act of love, loving us, you and me. And now we get to sing about it, his love endures forever. His love has endured from the beginning, and then the author begins to tell more about God's love. His love endures in both captivity and deliverance. Now, we, we don't know who wrote this psalm, like some of the other psalms, they were written by David, Asaph, Solomon. So we don't know who wrote this psalm, but we know that they must have written after some of the events of, uh, of the nation of Israel as they came out of Egypt. And then they, they crossed the Red Sea, and then they, they go to the promised land. And so these have, this, this psalm was written sometime after then. Let's begin to look. So it jumps from Genesis chapter 1 to Exodus. Now we're going to read again, this time from verses 10 through 15. So this is six verses, and then we're going to look at the two things where God's love endures captivity and deliverance. So starting in verse 10, let's all together say his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love to him who divided the Red Sea asunder. His love and brought Israel through the midst of it. His love but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love Amen. So this is the story of God bringing the Israelite community, the Hebrew people, out of captivity in Egypt. Now, if you really know your Bible trivia, you know that it was a long time that the Israelites were in captivity. 400 to about 430 years. Under hard slave labor. Do you think they ever despaired? <laughs> Do you think they ever grew depressed? And despondent. In 
fact, many of them may have lived their entire life that way and died. And it would have been easy to think, man, God is just leaving us here. God is just leaving us in this foreign nation. I thought we were supposed to have a, co- a special like, covenant relationship with God, and he's just left us in Egypt. He's forgotten about us. But, but that's a lie. <laughs> because his love endures in captivity. His love endures when we're, when we're far away from where we think we should be, when we're when we're captivated by, when we're, we're, we're made captive by this world, by sins, God's love still endures for us in those places. When we're not where we should be, God's love still endures for us. I tried to think of like a story of like being captive. Like maybe, a, maybe some of you can think of a time when like your siblings like tied you up or, or duct taped you. Now I had three older brothers and an older sister, and I actually don't have a story like that to share. I don't know why not. I mean, they missed a big opportunity. But I, do, I did think of a, a time, so I grew up going to Awana. This was a scripture memorization program, and one of the uh, presenters uh, gave like this visual illustration, and he had kind of the biggest, strongest kid uh, come up front. And, of course, that was not me. Uh, I know that you were, that's what you were thinking. Uh, and he had him stand up front. And uh, his, this, this kid's name was Jesse. And he was, he was pretty broad, pretty tall. He had, like, bushy red hair. And he wore orange all the time. And, he, and the, the speaker took a cassette tape. So maybe you've heard, like, an audio cassette tape, the, the, the thin film. If you're not sure what a cassette tape is, it's like a square DVD for those of you that uh, don't know what a cassette tape is. But you can, like, put it in this thing in your car, and it, like, plays music back to you. It's a, it's a brilliant invention of technology. Uh, he took this cassette tape, and he took out, like, one string, and he wrapped it around Jesse. And so Jesse was kind of standing there like this. And he's like, okay, why don't you break it? So Jesse just broke it. It was, it was very easy to break the one, <clears throat> the one film of cassette tape. And he's like, okay, now we're going to do it like the whole cassette reel. And he just went around and around and around and around Jesse until it was out. He's like, okay, Jesse, go ahead and break out of it. And he just couldn't. It was, it was this flimsy like little film and he couldn't get out. He was, he was bound captive. And we've all been there, right? We've been at, well, maybe you haven't been there. Like, I'm, maybe that hasn't happened to you. But we're going we're gonna to jump the metaphor a little bit. Where something begins to happen in your life, and you're like, man, this doesn't feel right. This feels like either sin or like life circumstances that just don't feel right. And you're like, okay, I can get out of this. And it keeps happening. And suddenly it becomes strong. And you're like, wow, I am, I am, I am captivated by this sin. Like, I can't, I can't break out of this sin. I can't break out of this situation that I want to get out of. And at first, when I first saw it, I thought it was so weak and so easy to break out of. But now I am just purely held captive by my sin. And it's, it's really easy to just look at the film as it wraps around you, just become consumed with that. And yet there is someone who can break us out of that, and it's not us. Now, I don't remember exactly how the illustration went, but obviously they did not leave Jesse like that. See, there was an individual standing right there who I assume he must have had a pair of scissors. 
See, we have a God who loves us and who has the scissors, who can cut us free from our bondage, from our sin. And I'm going to kind of spoil the story of the Bible for you. That's what I do pretty much every week. But the one who can do that is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus stepped down into our bondage. Like he was like, okay, I'm going to take, take this film off of you. I'm going to wrap myself in it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear your sin on me. But I'm stronger than this because I'm pure, I'm holy, and I'm just going to break out. I'm, I can release you from your sin because I, I have taken it upon myself. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of what Jesus has done. His love endures in captivity. Jesus came to set us free. We even sang about it earlier. His love endures forever. We find the purest most beautiful example of God's love in Christ. His love endures in captivity. And as we read in this psalm, God brought them out from among them. God delivered them. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He divided the Red Sea. He brought Israel through the midst of it. And he swept Pharaoh and his army away. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Egypt was like a first world country in its day. It was a global superpower. And the Israelites were like these like poor, destitute slaves. And God absolutely destroyed the armies of Pharaoh at the Red Sea. He just massively destroyed them. He delivered them. like It wasn't even a contest. That's what God did. That's how God showed his love. He brought them out of captivity and he delivered them. That's how God shows his love to us as well. He can bring us out of captivity. He can deliver us. And if you don't know that deliverance, I pray that you would come to Jesus tonight because he's the one with the scissors. He can cut you free. His love endures in both captivity and deliverance. Now we're going to continue to work through this, but we're only going to read one verse this time, verse 16. So here we go. To him who led his people through the wilderness. His love Amen. So the Israelites, uh, they get to the border of the promised land. God, gave, God said, here, I'm going I'm to take you out of Egypt where you've been in captivity. I'm going to give you the promised land, the land of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to give you this land, but you have to believe in me. You have to trust me. And so they get all the way to the border, and they don't believe. They don't trust. God just did this amazing thing where he destroyed Pharaoh and his armies at the Red Sea. He sent plagues on the, on the Egyptians. He killed their, for, their firstborn and performed all other supernatural and amazing miracles, and they get to the promised land, and they don't believe. So God says, well, okay, the consequence of that is wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And really, that just, that just reflects their heart. Their heart was already wandering from God. Now they just had to physically wander in the wilderness away from God. In our lives, we go through those stages, too, where we wander from God, we wander from the church. See, that place isn't for me. I don't have the time for it. We wander into relationships that are unhealthy, that don't honor God. 
We wander into other sins and traps and we get tangled up in what we know we shouldn't be in. It's easy to think that maybe God only loves us when we're free, (laughs) when we're not captives or we're not wandering. That's not what this psalm says. His love endures for us no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. If, If God knows you, he loves you. His love endures forever. <clears throat> All right, we're going to keep going because it gets, it gets even better as we go, as we continue to kind of follow. So if you, if you haven't picked up on it, it kind of follows the story of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, and then goes to Exodus. And we're, we're heading towards Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Numbers in this next one. His love endures when others attack us. So verses 17 through 22. We're going to read it again. Here we go. To him who struck down great kings. His love forever. And killed mighty kings. His love forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. His love forever. And Og, king of Bashan. His love forever. And gave their land as an inheritance an inheritance to his servant Israel. Amen. So Numbers chapter 21 records what has happened. So they're not going to the promised land. They're wandering. And yet they're still kind of making their way to the promised land. And they, and they encounter two kings, Og and Sihon. Now, we read about both these in Numbers chapter 21, so you can write down that and go read the story later. But Sihon, he was king of the Amorites, and the Amorites are like the the descendants of Canaan or the descendants of Ham. Uh, So they're kind of the historic enemies of the, 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 the Shemites, the descendants of Shem. And they go to war against uh, the Israelites. Moses, he's leading the Israelites, and he says, we would like to pass through your land. So very polite, like very peace-oriented, says, we would like to pass through your land to Sihon, the king of the Amorites. We won't drink of your wells. We won't eat your vineyards. Like, we'll, we'll just walk through because God has us on this path we want to walk through and we won't do anything. And Sihon was a wicked, evil king, and he just says no, and he brings all of his forces to attack and destroy Israel. And instead, God reverses that, and he, he uses the weak to overthrow the strong, and he destroys Sihon, and then the Israelites take the land of the Amorites. And so as they sang this, and as they recounted this, they would have been praising God. How God, your love endures when others attack us wrongfully. Your love endures when others attack me, your congregation, your people. God, your love still endures. How good and how beautiful this is that you can use the weak to overthrow the strong. And we should be encouraged by that. That when we feel attacked or, or, or wronged, like God is still good, God's still present. God is still working. His love endures in that moment. Praise God. So that that encouraged them, and then the story goes on in Numbers 21, Og, king of Bashan. God, you you overthrew Og, king of Bashan. It was less detailed than the story of Sihon, king of the Amorites. 
God, God overthrows Og, King of Bashan, and the, the Israelites push them back. Now, I think this is actually really an encouragement to us as well tonight. So Og, King of the Bashan, he was north of the Amorites. I think they were like, I always get confused on the directions, the, the right of uh, like the, the Jordan over in that region. And in the, the northern region, there was this area called Bashan. And there were cattle and, and bulls, and there was like this strong, fertile, rich region. God gave the Israelites that region, but those bulls, those, those bulls of Bashan, the, the, the Hebrew scriptures actually uses them to, to, describe, to describe like a kind of a, an attack, a, a persecution, a, a ganging up on. And maybe some of you remember that we've actually talked about the bulls of Bashan in this sermon series already. In fact, the first week I preached in the psalm series, we talked about the bulls of Bashan in, in Psalm 22. It said this, it said, Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Now, if you were here, you remember like this psalm, Psalm 22, is a beautiful psalm about the Messiah. It's about the promised one of Israel, the one who would come and deliver the Israelite people, the Hebrew people. And yet he doesn't do it through strength. He does it through weakness. He, he is reversed. It's the weak overthrowing the strong. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Jesus fulfilled this. Jesus fulfilled this as he was suffering in his, in his passion. He was encircled, like literally, physically, by, by about 600 men, a whole company of soldiers who, who beat him and spit on him and mocked him. Jesus fulfills this. But I also think there is a, a spiritual dimension going on. The, 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 enemy, the forces of evil, the forces of Satan, they were attacking Jesus as well. And Jesus defeats what's really going on. He defeats the sin. He defeats the death. He defeats Satan by going to the cross, by stretching out his arms, and by dying. Paying the penalty as a, as a perfect sacrifice. He perishes, encircled by the bulls, so that he could rise again from the grave and set us free when strong bulls of Bashan encircle you and me. When we feel attacked physically or spiritually, we can find comfort in Jesus Christ, the one who was circled by the worst bulls of all. This is what Christ has done. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Matthew and Mark, after the Passover supper, Jesus and his disciples went out singing a hymn. And just, it's like this very brief line. And so we don't know exactly which hymn he would have been singing. But if we're looking at tradition, and we're thinking of the great Hallel, the, the psalm that Jesus might have been singing, because he would have been singing from the, songs, from the psalms, it might have been this one. It might have been Psalm 126, uh, 136. Can you imagine that? As Jesus is, is leaving Passover and going, going to the garden to be betrayed, to be to flogged, to be crucified, to be handed over and to die, 
Imagine him singing, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. As he's fulfilling Psalm 22, singing Psalm 136, his love endures forever. My father, take this cup from me, but your love endures forever. Father, I am betrayed by Judas. I'm betrayed with a kiss. His love endures forever. Father, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Your love endures forever. So when you're going through whatever you're going through, when we're going through suffering, through anything, we can sing this. We can sing his love endures forever. And we can even say Jesus' love endures forever. Jesus' love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. We're we're heading towards an ending, but I want us to finish reading Psalm 136, verses 23 uh, through 26. So we're going to say these couple final verses as we, we head to a closing. Here we go. He remembered us in our low estate, and freed us from our enemies. His love forever. He gives food to every creature. His love Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love you can see how the psalm circles back. Circles back to the creator of heaven and earth, and yet who cares for you and for me. So I'm going to invite Andy up now to the, uh, the keyboard. I think a musician's going to come up. And we're going to sing kind of our own Cornerstone-style worship song. So Andy has these cards, and he's gone through them and taken out any repetitive ones or ones that are too personal. And he's going he's gonna to read one, and then we're going to say his love endures forever. And after we've gone through the white cards and we begin to sing the next worship song, then we'll take the offering, uh, and we, you can stand for that. But would you, would you sing with me? His love endures forever as Andy reads through this. God has revealed the power of prayer. God gave me a job that I love where I can make a difference. God has given me hope and comfort. God has taken my dependence on myself and helped me to depend on him. God has changed my perspective on suffering. God saved me from my self-centeredness. God has given me a peace that I can carry with me wherever I go. God has changed the way I think. God has redeemed my future. God has cured my cancer. God has cured my foul language. God has helped me with anxiety. God has saved me from all of my sin. God has determined where I will spend eternity.